In this week's episode, I'm joined by Ruben Alejandro Ramirez, Global Head of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Syngenta Group. This week, our conversation is about accessibility at Apple, JP Morgan's renewed commitment to DEI, and more. Hey there, my name is Bernadette Smith. Welcome to Five Things in 15 Minutes, my weekly show where I bring good vibes to DEI. That is good vibes to diversity, equity, and inclusion with a little dash of corporate social responsibility. What I've found is that there are lots of news stories about what's going wrong in the world and lots of negative data, but there are also a lot of things going right. That's what I like to focus on. I search for DEI stories that we can be inspired by and learn from. My hope is to inspire you to experiment with some of these inclusive actions and policies within your own organization to help you build a more inclusive world. Ruben, let's get started. Can you please introduce yourself? Hello, Bernadette. Happy to. Uh, as you mentioned, my name is Ruben Alejandro Ramirez. My pronouns are he, him, his. I'm very happy to be with you. As you tell, I think it's important to tell the good and positive stories and also to make sure that we're creating more inclusive places for everyone to really belong and really thrive in the workplace. And this is what we're trying to do at Syngenta Group. We have a very robust program on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, I was appointed to this role three years ago, and it has been a great experience. Of course, like any other areas in a corporate, there are some challenges, but it's always quite uh, interesting to be able to walk around them and just create a path where not only the DEI team is accountable for our company's progress, but where we are all accountable. And this is one of our main topics of this year. How do we create accountability from all the systems? So we all understand our role from individual contributors to middle management and also to our senior leaders in the company. The idea is for us to, to roll out a program throughout this year where we are more aware of power metrics and where we are also creatively thinking what else can we measure for us to really make sure that everyone is helping us drive a, a more inclusive and equitable group for us. Uh, our group is 59,000 people. Uh, we are based in 100 companies. We have more than 120 nationalities. So you can understand the diversity of it is as, as it can get, right? We have people from uh, different generations, uh, different genders, different expressions. So the idea is for us to keep uh, equipping our employees on how they can be better allies and also they can be more inclusive in everything they do, especially in those moments of truth where you have to make decisions, either by hiring, promoting, retaining talent from all our different uh, represented groups and also uh, from different intersectionalities, uh, even neurodiversity, something we've been speaking in the past years. Uh, this year, we are trying to bring more topics about personality types. And the idea is to keep moving forward anything in relation with different races and ethnicities, genders, and, and just to become the most inclusive uh, company in the agro industry, right? So we have a big challenge. However, with this accountability model, we believe that our employees, which my premise is that all our employees are good persons, and that's why we've been so successfully implementing DEI, is because we are ready to learn. And it's just a matter of keep making 
this area quite visible for people to understand how they can help. I think this is how 2024 will look for us. And I, I, I hope I have the chance to tell you about my results during this year. Yeah, absolutely. I, I hope as well. We'll have to have you back on and, and hear you tell us about the results later on. Well, you know, thank you for taking time this week. I think that the visibility that you've brought to the position and the visibility around this conversation has been fantastic. This week, I know, is Inclusion Week for Syngenta. I'm speaking on Friday um, at your event. So thank you for having me. You know, and I think that it's really amazing what you've built. And I love particularly the accountability piece because it sort of holds people well, holds their feet to the fire. I don't know if that expression uh, <laughs> carries internationally, but it really, the accountability is important. So can you talk a little bit more about the specifics of this framework that you're putting in place? Yeah, sure. Uh, as you mentioned, this is the one thing we have now identified is the missing element of our strategy. We started by understanding how uh, awareness was a well, every company has their own DI journey, right? Where we started was with bringing some awareness on the topics, on the needs, of course, on our uh, measurements like gender rate, pay gap equity. And, and then we discovered that we need to bring this awareness more like to give a bigger place to it. So we made a, a strategy where we were considering scalable solutions. And with this, uh, we leveraged the fact that we were uh, during COVID times to creating a global webinars to promote different topics. And this is also how Inclusion Week uh, was born, from having a place where people could express themselves, also have a safe space to learn about different topics that we probably, most of our population, fall into a different kind of diversity, uh, since we are such a big global company. And, and once we were able to make the AI probably the most visible topic on our company, we realized that People were talking about it. Uh, we were creating more ERGs. We started with 50. When I joined the position, now we have 71 ERGs. Uh, there were more uh, local councils, but still those metrics that are important for us were not moving as fast as we thought. Right? We were increasing on our gender rate 2% uh, every year. But then I think this is part of the DEI fatigue that we can all experience that in our third year, our numbers were not doing so well, well we're not advancing at the same rate. And we, uh, after having different conversations and different designs of our strategy, we come to realize that accountability was something that we needed to, to give back to the system. The system become quite reliable on us by owning the program. But then uh, it's not about having a program, it's about of shifting the mindset of 59,000 employees. So talking about this, we created a framework where we identified that we had, well, part of the implementation that we did two years ago was a DEI strategic framework. We created five strategic levers considering inclusion, equity, diversity, leadership, accountability, and industry impact. And for that, we had uh, five areas of work in each of them, and we have one KPI for each area of work. So for that, uh, we have now uh, a lot of data that we just need to make sure that we put together in a big blender of data where we can understand where our different regions and business units are. And by understanding that data, we will be able to equip uh, in a tailor-made solution uh, different regions or different countries in the world. Because as I say, it's a journey. So we need to be able to meet the energy where, where our leaders are or where our regions are because it's not about uh, 
telling people how bad we're doing. It's about to understand where they are and with that bring the right resources for them to keep evolving. It's a improvement that we have to continually be checking. And for that, we have created the accountability model. As I say, we have understood what are the specific actions we have for each of our different levels. For example, we have seen that many employees connect to our webinars, but not many complete the trainings. And there are 20, 25 minute trainings on different topics like gender, gender rate, um, beyond the binary. We have about working across generations, cultural diversity. So it's not about only presenting to the, well, showing up to the webinar, but also uh, completing the trainings. Uh, it's also about having conversations with your team. It's also about expressing and um, letting the system know if you have any ideas of how to, to get better in being inclusive. Then also understanding that middle managers sometimes are the ones that have to make the big decisions in regard with uh, these moments of truth that I tell you and that we all have unconscious biases. So we need to understand those biases before giving a performance review every year, before uh, making the decision of, of who we want, we want to hire. So by analyzing and understanding these moments of truth, we want to bring some uh, tools and resources for them to be able to be aware in the specific time of making the decision. And of course, with our um, senior leaders on how they can help us create policies that are more equitable, policies that are helping us uh, enabling our initiatives to be more visible, but also to track those measurements and then uh, being able to direct the changes. So I think there's uh, there's something for all and we can all really pitch in in a way that our organization becomes more inclusive and really showcase the values that we have been talking about for many years, not only in Syngenta, but in every company that DI is important. I love it. And folks, I hope you are taking notes because Ruben is giving a lot of really great info. So before we get into this week's good vibes, Ruben, one question for you, since you mentioned middle managers, I know a lot of folks struggle with getting middle managers to care about DEI or to invest their time in DEI because of so many competing priorities. If you were to give the listeners and viewers one piece of advice for getting buy-in and support for middle managers, what would it be? Great. Uh, I think this is a very good question, Bernadette, because we all know that middle managers have to compete between different priorities. And middle managers are the ones that also help us really meet our goals and targets. So having them select uh, 25 minutes to complete a training or one hour to come to a webinar or just uh, five or 10 minutes to have a DI share during their team's meetings, is something that we value the most because we understand how busy they are. But for me, the best advice is to, to tell all these middle managers that are helping us throughout our journey to remember where they were starting, that we were looking for similar opportunities, that probably we were all rejected at some point to be to belong in a specific group or in, in a specific situation. And for me, this worked the best because every time that I am put into that situation where I really struggle because probably I was being not appreciated for my different intersectionalities, that takes me to the right space. And that takes me back to understanding why I'm doing the work I'm doing for companies to become more inclusive. It's all about, we all count, right? And we have a hashtag in Syngenta that is everyone counts, but also we can all make a difference by understanding that at some point we didn't fit. And that feeling is something that no one should have, not mm -hmm. uh, 
because of who they are. Uh, because I think that, that that's the beauty of diversity. Because who we are, we really unlock innovation and collaboration. I love it. Oh, that's a great mic drop right there, Ruben. Thank you. All right, well, let's move into this week's good vibes. The first story this week comes from JP Morgan, where the CEO, Jamie Dimon, declared himself unwoke and then also affirmed the bank's commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion. So the bank's strategy at JP Morgan is very data-driven like yours is, focusing on specific metrics like promotions by position, retention rates for underrepresented groups. So they're very much focused on, um, on the data and addressing disparities among the demographics, and yet he still considers himself unwoke. And I think that, that there's an important message here is that it's not about politics, <laughs> It's about what's best for the company, and DEI is what's best for the company. Correct. And sometimes we forget about that. Uh, DEI does bring better business to our companies, right? Uh, by having the right talent, by being creative to go and look at different problems in different ways and with different solutions. So, it, like, I think it's very important what they're doing. Uh, JP Morgan are well known for having a DI program since many years ago, and I think they are quite progressive in the way they have explained uh, this to their employees. Also, I, I know that they have different roles and positions on a specific dimensions of each of our, of our different initiatives or our focal points, right? Uh, which I believe that team is quite expert on what they're doing. And this is the reason why they are keeping uh, having more jobs around it, right? Also, the fact that uh, they understand that this is good for the business is because probably they are already leaving the values. Uh, I always say DI is a long race. So it's easier for the systems to get impatient, to get desperate about receiving all these great benefits we have always promised. But I think that uh, when, when you start being more accountable and when your system starts shifting into the right way, you can really uh, benefit from those from those great outcomes of DEI. So I think they're doing a great job. Exactly, exactly. Well, on a more personal level, uh, billionaire couple Rhonda Stryker and William Johnson are donating $100 million to Atlanta's Spelman College here in the U.S., which is a historically black college or university in HBCU. And their donation is the largest single ever donation to one of these HBCUs. That money is mostly going towards scholarships, um, academic initiatives, and student housing improvements. I mean, it's it's amazing what uh, what some extra resources can do for education. This is fantastic. Correct, and this is a great amount, 150 million for uh, equipping these students and the college with all uh, these resources. Is great and I think this is great not only for the academic system but also for the rest of the chain that benefits from having diversity uh, in uh, starting from the schools right? Uh, right I think that one of our biggest struggles being part of the agro industry is that sometimes we don't have enough people from underrepresented groups with the capabilities uh, or the degrees that we're looking for usually agro has been seen as a as a career, well, agronomist is a career that is not very diverse. It has been highly male-dominated uh, by the 
biggest majority in whatever region you mentioned. It could be white men in the States, but also could be a Latin men in Mexico, for example, where I'm from. So I think that the idea of investing in education is also opening other opportunities for people to really have the right talent from diverse communities once they graduate. Exactly. I love it. I love it. There's so many positive potential ripple effects here. Okay. The third story this week comes from LinkedIn data, which is showing that DEI roles remain among the fastest growing in the U.S., including the vice president, VP of diversity and inclusion is the number seven fastest growing jobs here in the U.S. So DEI is not going away. I think that there's a lot of headlines that would suggest the opposite, but, you know, I still see it as very much alive and well. Yes, I think that in this sense, we are learning how to really implement DEI. And I think that is why at the moment we're seeing this probably media trend of showcasing how much DEI wasn't working or how many uh, chief diversity officers were losing their jobs. And I think this is part of the evolution of how we are uh, working with DEI. At the beginning, it started quite uh, oriented to, to the best practice that we needed to have. We needed all to be 50% balanced in specific items or different uh, dimensions. And at some point, you also have to learn that corporates, organizations, and businesses have a change management process where we cannot just come and say, this is the this is what we are aiming for and not prepare or equip the rest of the system and just bring a very disruptive change. So I think that with right. the experience that now we have implementing DEI for several years has uh, led us to understand that there are a process, there is a journey, we need to be able to understand when to bring the resources for us to make the big commitments. You cannot just make mm -hmm. a big commitment not uh, preparing a container that will support it, right? And I yeah. think that by by learning from this uh, article, I think it's important to know that, yes, these jobs are evolving. They are still here and we're not going anywhere. So it is important uh, for everyone to know that we're just getting better equipped. <laughs> That's right. Okay, the fourth story this week is about a growing number of employers here in the U.S. which are incorporating psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy into their health benefits for treating mental health challenges, especially treatment-resistant conditions such as depression, anxiety, and post-traumatic stress disorder. So uh, depression apparently costs employers at least $17 billion annually in lost workdays. So these types of psychedelic treatments are proven to work. Um, so it's really cool that employers are catching on. Well, as I say, it's part of this evolution. We uh, have been able to make more visible situations on mental health and to understand that many of us go through those situations in different moments of our lives, right? And not because you have overcome depression at some point, you will no longer be experiencing another chapter of this horrible illness that, uh, that as you say, many people go through. So I think that exploring different ways of helping people to overcome depression is a great way. And I'm glad uh, companies are taking those bold moves I'm not sure if this will work for everyone. Uh, I think there's a, no. still a big debate on how this should be managed and how can 
this really help different people, but we need to understand that there's a very diverse way of understanding life, and for some people mm -hmm. this might work. So I think that by giving the choices, you allow these programs to have more information and also uh, to help more people. So it's good that companies are doing that. That's right. Exactly. I think the, you know, I think a diverse collection of benefits is going to be important because your employees are diverse and so their needs are naturally going to be diverse. So this makes a lot of sense to me. Okay. The fifth story this week comes from Apple, which is enhancing accessibility in their podcast by introducing automatically generated transcripts, which allows users to read the full text, search for specific content, and play from a chosen point. So the idea here is that this is uh, an, an, an extra feature, particularly to benefit folks who are who have hearing impairment, but also everyone. I mean, I think that having um, transcripts really does expand the reach of podcasts and it helps with a global audience because these transcripts are available in not just English, but also French, German, and Spanish. Correct. I was very happy to read this article. Uh, also, I saw it in, in some news. And this is just great because many people have different ways of learning or even focusing. Mm -hmm. uh, we, as we say with neurodiversity, we're learning so many things about even ourselves that we didn't know before. And then they're giving the opportunity for a more international uh, community to follow podcasts that probably they didn't have access to. Right. So also the beauty of it is that anyone can translate their transcript. They can also contribute uh, in editing for a better wording of, of the scripts. So I think this is just a way for companies to really work on that accessibility that we are learning uh, every year, how necessary it is. Also, I think that everything that we can do to make this world more accessible just help us change the way we think. In the past, we had so many stereotypes of how persons with disabilities uh, were even labeled or treated. And just by companies the size of Apple making this uh, something that everyone could access to, it just changed the way we will be probably uh, now having material from our work-related activities or just the way we can request our education systems to also offer in different, uh, different dimensions as well. So I'm very happy companies are taking this uh, steps for a more accessible world. And they're, it's just going to continue, right? When a company as large as Apple does it, of course, others are going to start to follow. So it's good, good vibes. All right, Ruben, thank you so much for your fantastic input on today's show. How can folks get in touch with you? Yes, of course, uh, they can reach out through LinkedIn. Uh, I'm quite active there. And also I am always welcoming uh, new professionals and people in my network. So they can follow, they can find me as Ruben Alejandro Ramirez. And if they add Syngenta or Syngenta Group, it will be easier for, for everyone to find me. Great. And I'll make sure that goes in this week's show notes as well as in the comments. All right. And folks, this week's call to action is to check out the book Reconstructing DEI, a practitioner's workbook by Lily Zhang. So if you're ready to actually get into action, this is a great workbook to help you with that. Folks, if you don't already get the Five Things newsletter, you can subscribe at fivethingsdei.com. Thanks so much. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to Five Things in 15 Minutes. 
I hope you found yourself inspired by at least one of this week's stories. If you did, would you mind sharing it with a colleague and leaving us a review on your favorite podcasting platform? And if you don't already get my Five Things newsletter, join at fivethingsdei.com. I'm Bernadette Smith, and I'll see you next week right here for Five Things in 15 Minutes, bringing good vibes to DEI. DEI.